greetings. This is Adam Buddha. Today is March 25th, 2022. The title of today's podcast is episode 73. The drive to be better is holy because the best is divine. And we're just going to go directly into an ad lib. I did write some things, but it may not be entirely relevant to the topic at hand, so I want to just go ahead and just dive right into this. First of all, what does that mean? The drive to be better is holy because the best is divine. Well, the ultimate of everything is the one absolute truth. There is nothing better than that, and there is nothing beyond that. It pervades everything and it is inescapable it is the greatest source of intelligence there's nothing more intelligent and it is in fact the driving force behind all that exists in fact it's kind of hard to talk about because really it is indescribable you cannot <laughs> come close to expressing the magnificence of what that is about. But that brings to the other point, which is the drive to be better. That inner drive is a direct result because that spark of the ultimate is within you. And the closer you get to that, the more you naturally want to aspire towards excellence and to be the best that you can be. So this is the natural drive for humans as a whole, actually. And so the point here is that when you are out there trying to do the best that you can, you are doing something holy because there's nothing better than the best and the best is the ultimate and i just want to address something else too because i believe the title of my next podcast episode 74 is going to talk about nervi kalpa samadhi or samadhi what is that that is a state of consciousness whereby you are in a perpetual state of bliss and ecstasy and you do not need to go into a meditative state in order to achieve that. In other words, you can be in this state while you are working, while you are talking, while you're on the internet, while you're watching a movie, while you're reading a book. There is nothing that can take you out of that state of bliss and ecstasy. And the fact is, is that I've been, just to refer to myself personally, now it marks about two years now that I've been in this nervi kalpa samadhi state whereby it's an unshakable state of bliss. And I'm just realizing that that is the name for it. I was just digging on the internet because it's like, I want to put a word, some words to <laughs> what my experience is about. Because this is 
serious stuff and I feel a weight of responsibility upon me to reach out and get the message out there because from what I can tell doing some digging on the internet there just doesn't seem to be a heck of a lot of us out there that are in a permanent state of enlightenment and I'm not trying to say this to boast or to say that I'm better than any, anybody else but we're going to talk about that in more detail on the next podcast but um, yeah but just realizing tonight I'm like it's like wow Nerva Kalpa Samadhi there's nothing else that can describe where I'm at because it's literally unshakable you know I could be put into I, I literally had people assaulting me and fighting me in my <laughs> in the front of my house and I was still in a blissful state uh, all through that which was interesting but I'll take a moment now to just read what I was um, writing earlier because someone had posted a comment about asking about lineage and about succession and chain of succession because I know that in India among other places and including Tibet with the Dalai Lama they hold that in order to attain states like Nirvikalpa Samadhi you need to have the guidance of a guru and you have to be under a set lineage and a set succession that had extended across generations and I feel inspired to say that the successions have been broken that what the scriptures of the ancient scriptures of Sanskrit held to be true in the past is no longer true anymore because misunderstanding with Maya and Kali if you go by the uh, Hindu and yogic philosophy there's just been an age of, of ignorance but ironically there's also been a burst of technology and communication so yeah that's fun but I wrote these words it says I disagree that those words are applicable today the chain of succession was broken in such a situation definitely the absolute can intervene directly the fact is that in any succession there is always at least one who was the first and whoever this first was was not in a line of succession in fact the absolute can do anything it wants and inspire individuals on opposite ends of the globe who are independent of each other and who don't even know that each exists I would go even further and claim that there is an ultimate philosophy that allows people to become liberated without a guru I don't regard any living guru as being able to open the crown chakra otherwise known as the Sahaswara chakra in another otherwise known as a thousand petal lotus at the crown of the head even myself I don't see myself even capable of opening the crown 
of another. This is something only the absolute can do. Teachers and masters can help guide and prepare students to be more receptive to this ultimate experience. But this ultimate experience is not the relationship between teacher and student, but between the absolute and the practitioner. Now, that's not to say that the relationship between disciple and student or or master and student or guru and student or teacher and student, that is very important. And I want to clarify that. But that relationship pales with the relationship that you can have directly with the absolute. Because obviously when the crown opens and you be, get into this state of nervikapa samadhi when, samadhi, when you are always in this continuous state of bliss, you're basically in ecstasy all the time and nobody and nothing can interrupt that um, state. At least that's been my experience. And I concluded this written portion with this. Nothing immortal can be destroyed and that immortal spark is within each of us. And so what does that mean? That means that death itself is an illusion. And I don't want to take away from grieving widows and to those who have lost or perceived to have lost their loved ones. Because when we say something is an illusion, it just means that once you pass on from this world, you don't really die because there's an immortal spark within you that continues forever. And so there is an indestructible part of you. Enlightenment, as I've said before, is not about removing things, although it can be. That is a, that is a method of, of reaching there, of eliminating that which is not truth and finally arriving at truth or eliminating everything external to arrive at the internal. But ultimately, from my perspective, once you do arrive, you realize that it is about being unlimited, about removing limitations instead of contracting and subtracting from your consciousness. Your consciousness expands and you're adding more and more. And the same is true with the absolute. If you can imagine, and I may have said this before, but on a hard drive on a computer, they've got massive hard drives now. You can save immense files, 4K, 8K. There's just an unlimited amount of storage already in the material world if you've got the money to pay for it. Well, if that level of technology already exists on Earth, well, of course, it just comes, you can just naturally de deduce that the ultimate doesn't delete stuff, okay? It still exists. There's nothing that can be lost. Everything wonderful about you and your life now, you don't lose. And even when you reach a state of permanent enlightenment, you're not losing the old you but you are upgrading yourself into 
even more of a wonderful version of yourself. So you're not losing yourself. However, it is a paradox, right? You can say, oh, I'm losing myself in bliss. I'm losing myself in ecstasy. But when you do that, you're not really losing yourself. You're still there. You're still experiencing it. And the bliss doesn't end. It's like waking up from a dream and realizing that your whole life that, that happened up to that point was like a dream. And when you cross that threshold, it's like, okay, now I'm immortal. I don't identify that the body is just me, that I'm more than just the body. And so you recognize that the body is just like a disguise, like you are deep undercover, like you're a, a deep undercover God disguised as a human and you had just forgotten yourself. And then when you cross that threshold, it's like you start remembering. You start remembering who you really are, that you are a superstar. You are more, much more than anything you've ever thought about yourself. And again, to say that is not to say, oh, I want to create narcissism in you. No. What does that mean to be more? It means to be more than your mind, to be more than your body, to not identify only with the lower, the limited version of yourself, but to realize that there is an unlimited version of yourself. And when you do that, you realize that this is true for everybody else too. And that's why I love the word namaste, which is an Indian greeting, which basically means the divine in me acknowledges the divine in you. Because what you're doing is you are seeing others, your perception of others is a reflection of how you see yourself. And so if you recognize the divinity within you, you are better able to recognize the divinity in everybody else. But what does that mean, divinity? I mean, does that mean that, oh, you suddenly regard yourself as some kind of emperor, god, king? No, that's not what this is about. It's about recognizing that you are also mortal, right? There's certain rules and laws of the physical plane. I would personally be interested to see how these laws and rules can be bent because I do, I mean, I regard my everyday existence as a miracle. It'd be great to see what other kinds of miracles can manifest. But right now, what I'm focused on which I think is the ultimate miracle is in the act of awakening hearts and inspiring minds. Because the truth is, is that when the world can wake up 
or clear their minds of delusion, we are living in a paradise. And the only thing preventing this paradise from happening is to not see it as a paradise. And the only way you can not see it as a paradise is if you don't see yourself in through the lens of how wonderful and magnificent that you are. Because this spark of the ultimate, the absolute, it does exist in you. And the closer you get to your own heart, the more you can experience that for yourself. And then it's just about also progressing further and getting to a place where your mind is operating under a philosophy of unlimitlessness or limitlessness, which then can invite the absolute to come down through the crown of your head, through that thousand petal lotus, and give you that experience of samadhi of being in bliss and realizing that there is no sensual pleasure on earth. There's no external amusement, whether it be the most amazing computer game or VR experience or movie. None of these things can give you the, this other great experience of Samadhi. Why is that? Well, if you can imagine this, everything that you experience externally triggers certain neurons in your brain, it, it, certain endorphins, certain synaptic reflexes in your mind that provide you with different types of highs, whether it be adrenaline, whether it be some sort of excitement, but it, it or dopamine rush and if the sensual can provoke this level of pleasure however temporary it might be the same sort of reaction in your mind can occur without these external stimuli when you achieve that level of mastery in your mind that's possible now, but but to go beyond that of course the absolute when that plugs in it gives you <laughs> the ultimate experience which is beyond words beyond description and greater th and more powerful than any chemical substance can provide you Anyway, this is Atma Boda, and again, you can reach me through divinity.com and through social media, and I am signing off. Until next time, have a fantastic day.